recently passed away, unfortunately. And so uh, as my mother and I were going through songs to sing at this service, we thought that it might be appropriate to sing uh, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, as uh, she actually sang it at Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, memorial service. We thought this might be a nice way to respect her um, and her legacy. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am worn, through the storm. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When the darkness appears and the night draws near and the Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am worn, through storm through the night hold my hand and hold me tight take my hand 
precious Lord, and lead me Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Give us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from Romans chapter 11, verses 33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Our second reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses the knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is God's word to God's people.
So we're, uh, we're thinking out loud with one another about this dilemma that the church finds itself in, a dilemma that has, uh, I guess, plagued me most all of my, my ministry, and that is uh, getting the worth of the church and the experience that the church offers into the lives of people who are now more and more not paying any attention to what the church has to offer. We've become more and more marginalized in our society, and I think there's some very good reasons that I hear from people as to why uh, they don't pay attention to church. <clears throat> Yet I do think there are some important reasons for why people should. One of them we talked about last week, and that was that uh, we get a real good sense of our meaning and purpose in life through being at church, that we get out of that delusion about who we are and into a, a, a more accurate and honest understanding of who we are and what we're to be about. And next week we're going to talk about how community is a very important thing of what the church can offer. But today we're going to talk about um, knowledge and wisdom. And I want to suggest to you that the church is full of messages of truth and of wisdom that are good for us to be reminded of and for people outside the circle of the church to pay attention to. And so I, I hope as you um, walk through this sermon with me as we try to look at these different points that, that you might see or hear in what I'm saying uh, some key insights about life, about self, about God that are important to hold on to, that you want to hold on to, and that perhaps you will also hear some things that you would feel comfortable sharing with a neighbor or a friend or somebody in the workplace when they come to you with a dilemma. You might feel comfortable saying a point or two of, of what I'm saying as you invite them to come and explore uh, perhaps a solution uh, to their circumstance or a help to their circumstance through church. So this all is resting on this foundation of our hope to gain knowledge and love of God, to, to be able to inculcate into our lives God's wisdom for us. As we heard in Romans, we hope to plumb the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. I mean, that is what we want. And we come to church hoping that we might get some of that, go home and hold on to some of that. We pray that we might have the power to comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of things, and to know and benefit from the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. So indeed, we might be filled with the fullness of God. This is our prayer each day, forever, that that would be true for, for us. We seek to fulfill this hope and to answer this prayer through the church. And it is possible through the church if you connect to a church that asks you not to check your brain at the door. And I like to think that we're a church that asks you to come in with all that you are, including your brain, to bring it all in here and to bring it all in here in front of God and with one another to learn to grow. I think you're in a good place in this church to sense the wisdom of the divine. So let's get after it. 
I've got a, a number of things that came to mind. Like I said, these may be points that, uh, yeah, they're so obvious, of course, uh, but maybe, maybe there's some insight in these points. And maybe you can think of a whole bunch more than what I share, and I invite you to do that and write them down um, to build the list uh, longer. Each one of these points could be a sermon in their own, and and I was thinking about asking uh, Rachel to do that. Um, you could start next week, and uh, we'd be full to Christmas, probably. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you're ready to go. Okay, first off, creation is not random. It is not accidental. Rather, we think that it is purposeful and that it's authored by God. God is behind creation, and creation is dynamic. It is linear. It is meaningful. We don't cycle around in some chaos and pointless cycles. We don't think we get reincarnated for multiple tries. We think there's a definitiveness and a, a trueness of the dynamic of creation, that God is behind it. Now, we may think differently than the, the book of Genesis on how creation came about, but we still go back to that book of Genesis for the wisdom that God is behind our creation. And that creation reveals the glory of God. A second thing is, we are not at our best we fall short of God's blessed intentions for us. We sin. We're not perfect creatures. We're not mini-gods. We share God's image so that we are connected to God. We have God indwelling in us as a spirit, but we are not the same as God. Our choices in life separate us or draw us together better. Our life is a series of good choices and bad choices, and we seek those good choices over against those choices we might be inclined to make which are not healthy and helpful for us or for others. This is our human condition. You hear this at a church. We also learn that rules can be pretty helpful for giving direction and parameters to our life. We, we celebrate the Ten Commandments. There's a, a number of uh, rules and ordinances in Scripture in the Old Testament that we think are helpful to us still these days, some 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years later. We remember that Jesus said, I come to fulfill the law. Yet we also hear Jesus saying, but you know that Sabbath law? 
I'm not so sure about how we're playing that law nowadays. And he was accused of violating the law. We get a sense from our scripture that rules can help us knit our society together in a good ways and rules can also be harmful depending on how they are applied. You know that rules, rules, rules lead to no, no, no. And they lead to should, should, ought. The Pharisees, Jesus says, they seem to deaden the spirit by their take on rules rather than invigorating the spirit. So many people outside the church door may think churches are just full of rules, people having to obey rules, and in a way they're right, and in a way they're just so, so wrong. And we learn a wisdom at Jesus' knees about rules and what rules are trying to do in their best for us. A fourth learning that I think is pretty dear to me, and that is that grace, love, and mercy are better correctives in life than punishment. That grace, love, and mercy are better motivators to good behavior than punishment. Being punished and scared into good behavior really doesn't work well. You get a bunch of passive, aggressive, spiritual people from that. Being loved and nurtured into good behavior, well, that is much more successful with us humans. And I think we saw in Jesus' life, particularly his passion, that love is a better motivator. So I would add as a fifth point of knowledge of wisdom that we gain through our church that there are seasons to our lives and that you really can't avoid the passages you're going through. You're going to go through them. You're going to live those changes there's a coming and there's a going to life and you no more than anybody else are going to avoid that. And to this ebbing and this flowing of life, it's wise to see it and to roll with it. To embrace it and try to make the most of it. Think about it. The issues that you were most passionate about, the things that concerned you the most in the springtime of your life, are those the same issues and passions that you now have in the autumn of your life? It's wise to let yourself grow. To encourage yourself to mature into the next iteration of yourself. 
There's wisdom in change and adaptation. There's wisdom in being flexible with life because it's happening to you. Here's another one. Faith does not ensure your happiness nor your health. But it does carry you well through life. Your faith does not act as a flak jacket against the perils of life that come zooming at you. Faithful people get sick. Faithful people get sad. This is part of how life is for people. Yet it's the faithful people who have found a strong resource in managing these things of life and find themselves moving through in a healthier way, in a more productive way. God is not Santa Claus. God is not a desire-meeting vending machine in the sky. You don't shoot something in there and something comes back. God is bigger and God is more mysterious than these two models of God. And it is helpful to get a little clarity about your understanding of God. We don't control God. We don't tell God what to do. We hope and we pray that we keep up with God, that we can understand what God's up to, and God allows us to tag along. God's not doing what we're telling God to do. God's hoping we're doing what God is hoping we will do. So however expansive your concept of God is, I want to invite you to think that it's probably still inadequate, that God is still even more than that. Imagine if God was just what we thought God was. We need to have a humility as we approach God and we think about God's characteristics and God's qualities. We need to be open to the mystery of the more of who God is. Throughout history, the innocence and the purity of faith has been compromised. And a set of beliefs is not the winning ticket. A loving pattern of life is what carries the day. It's silliness or it's hubris. It's not wisdom to think that you're always right, to think that you are really innocent, to think that you are deserving of all the grace that you get.
Following and obeying God is more important than adhering to a set of beliefs. We know that there have been Christians as bad as the worst of them. I'm reading a couple books right now on Nazi Germany, and I have just been reminded of the Christian church's complicity with the rise and the uh, spread of Nazism. Good Christian people, people who said, I believe this stuff. leading us down a path to some of the worst stuff ever done. And it got me to think, as I've thought on other occasions in the past, that Jesus is right when he talks about how important it is to behave in a loving way. And that perhaps our behaviors are more important than our beliefs. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't get you across the goal line. Being one might do it. And having said that, let me say another lesson I've gotten from Scripture is uh, you don't have to be perfect. Thank God. You do not have to be perfect. But you know what? You've got to try to be good Though we set goals in our lives for how we hope to mature as spiritual beings, it's wise to recognize that the perfection of becoming just like Jesus is most likely going to be out of the grasp of us. Yet, that doesn't give us permission to stop trying to be the most like Jesus that we can be. It's important to be as good as you can. A lot of people are counting on it. You're actually counting on it. And then to pray fervently that God picks up the slack, the difference between what is and what was hoped for. Now here's a key learning, I think, from our faith that comes to you through the, the church. And I think this is one that really, if you remember nothing else I say today, if you remember this and help extend this into the community, you will be a, a marvelous ambassador of the faith of Christ and a good helper to your neighbor or friend. And that is this. Forgiveness may help the offender, yet it is the best thing you can do for yourself if you're offended. Forgiving people who repent, that is the nicest thing you can do to somebody. If they're so sorry and they're actually communicating that to you, how they've hurt you, and they're asking for your forgiveness, you Saying that to them can mean the world, that the, the circle has been healed, set to rights. 
But you know what? The people that don't come to you and ask for forgiveness, if you forgive them, that's the nicest thing you can do for yourself. Do not let their badness deaden or restrict your spirit. Let go of that burden of carrying that umbrage. And you will find yourself lighter in step and in spirit, much more enjoying life. Here's another. Listen to the inner voice in your head. Now, I, I mean this unless uh, you're psychotic. <laughs> and then maybe you shouldn't. And that's why we have friends, because we need help in spiritual discernment, right? To make sure that what we're hearing is a good thing, not a bad thing. But, you know, the Spirit speaks to us, interacts with us, and tries to lead us and protect us and try to get us to make good choices instead of bad. There's, there's a little sense of, of something speaking to us that we need to heed. I bet if you were honest with yourself, you could think back to the last bad thing you did and you could think, well, maybe a minute before that, something was telling me, don't do that. Listening to the Spirit's voice within us is an important thing to learn how to do. And we gain great wisdom when we're able to attend to the leading of the Spirit in our lives. So, pay attention to that voice. And heed it. So now, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out to be okay in life. Mystery and uncertainty is okay. Many people have come up to me in my ministry and, and they have said, you know, all, I'm, all of this part of the faith makes sense, but this part of it, you know, is kind of squirrely to me. I really don't get it. I don't get this and 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 they feel kind of sheepish being in church because they kind of think they ought to have it all figured out the whole doctrines of the church all the things that have been brought forward in our faith should make sense or they should be able to comprehend or or state and you know i don't know if any of us well maybe rachel has got it all together i don't know but i will confess and i know she will too that we are all struggling to learn and to grow and to have it all make sense. So don't let your uncertainty, don't let that challenge of your pilgrimage deflate you or distract you from trying to move forward as a spiritual being and grow. None of us have it all together. Accept your partialness. Accept the fact that you are 
something that's in process, that God isn't done with you yet. There's still more. Mystery, not knowing everything, is okay. You can be at peace about that. And one last thing, and that is that redemption is true. It can happen even to you and me. And I mean this in, in the large, in the large sense of Jesus on the cross dying for our sins, we say, offering redemption to humans as reconciled people to God. through our faith being open to justifying grace and having that transform us into new beings. I'm meaning it that way, that redemption is true and can be for all of us. I mean it in that big way, that you're not trapped by your sin, that you're not trapped by your shame and guilt, that you don't have to be chained by these things for your lifetime but there is redemption for the human soul through Christ Jesus. I mean it like that, but I also mean it that in the little moments of your day, there can be redemption too. And to look for that. And if you do, there's wisdom in that. Even as some of the worst situations come upon you and you're puzzled and you're struggling, illness or, or family problems or what, whatever it is, even as those larger or little moments of what life is about come to you, if you're walking with Jesus, you can still find even in those crummy times, moments of redemption, a good coming out of that bad. It's wise to look for that because there's a lot of bad coming out of the bad that hits you. But if you walk with God in that, there's opportunities of growth, of change that can redeem even that crummy circumstance. And that existential truth is what we learn from the cross as well as the big picture that we learn from the cross. God continues to have the opportunity in your life to help make you new and better. And there's wisdom in holding on to that. Well, all right, I could uh, go on forever, but you don't want that to happen to you. I'm thinking this is a pretty good list. You know, and I, I just came up with it myself, just kind of working on it, thinking about it a little bit, 13 things. Um, I'm sure that you could think of more, that you could write down more 
uh, key learnings about abundant life and good life or other points of wisdom that you've come across because you've given of your time to be in this place on Sunday mornings and that you've been open to God speaking to you through your church. And I'm just suggesting that as that has happened to you, that can happen to others. And that there would be a good reason for someone to maybe take your elbow and for you to bring them in on to church and let them have whatever their experience might be in church with the wisdom of God. And they may be surprised to learn that there's a real added value to life by being involved in a church. Amen? Amen. Amen.